It's time for Taking Care of Business on Midlands 103. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Midlands 103. Hello and good evening. It's Tuesday the 9th of December. I'm Ronan Berry and you're very welcome to Taking Care of Business here on Midlands 103. And this is it, the last show of 2023. It's been another bumper and busy year, huge amount of stuff to talk about. So tonight, as I did last year and as I did in 2019, before you know what, I've assembled a panel of business leaders and experts from around the Midlands. Uh, Who are they? Well, they're sitting in front of me right now. They've braved the kind of slightly colder temperatures this evening and made their way across the studio in Tullamore. They're going to be joined by Regina Bushell. Uh, Many listeners will be familiar with Regina from uh, Midlands Today with Will Faulkner and regularly contributes to his show and indeed to taking care of business. Regina is the Managing Director of Groveland's Childcare. She's the Chair of Shasuis Independent Early Education Providers. She's on Childhood Services Ireland. It's an IBEC Council. She's an incoming President of Athlone Chamber of Commerce next year. She's currently Director of RT All Ireland Drama Festival and indeed spends a lot of time lobbying lobbying government around that whole thing of childcare in early years. Uh, A busy person indeed, so delighted to have Regina in studio this evening. Regina, thank you for coming across. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. I think I'm, I'm up for grilling this evening as well. Sitting just to the right of Regina is John Clendenin. John is the owner of Giltrap's Townhouse and Glamping in Kennedy and County Offaly. He's the current president of the Vintners Federation of Ireland and indeed a county councillor for Offaly County Council. John, thanks for making the big journey across this evening. Thanks very much for having me. Delighted to be here. Leave for Christmas. Absolutely. And sitting just beside them is Michael Delaney. And Michael is the general manager of Cool Rain Sawmills, Sawmills and he's group engineering manager of the CJ Shearing Group 2. He's a mechanical engineer by trade and has been a project manager for many multi-million euro projects over the past 20 years on sites such as Intel, State Street Bank, Tala Hospital etc. He is a published author technically now he tries to play that down a little bit but uh, had a huge role in terms of writing some booklets and guidance notes for lean construction too so brings a huge wealth of experience there too and as somebody who recently or in the past two years made the move from Dublin down into the Midlands, down to Coolrain and he has cut his commute by a couple of hours and the average commute is about four minutes a day, he reckons now. I think only John Clendenin's commute is shorter than that. But uh, Regina, looking back on 2023, you know, a year where so much has happened again, we still, many businesses probably feeling the impacts of the Russian invasion in Ukraine. I think anybody out Christmas shopping at the minute can see the impact of price rises. Everything seems more expensive. <laughs> From a business perspective, how are you dealing with that? And is that probably one of the standout things for, for, for the year that's just gone? Well, I suppose there has been a whole <coughs> a lot of challenges um, in our sector. <laughs> we'll, we'll let you take a break for a second. John, will you feel that question there? If we look back on, on 2023, you know, from your own perspective, I suppose, from a business point of view in the glamping and, and the hospitality with the pub, how has the year been for you? Yeah, I suppose hospitality in, in general had, you know, a very rough period between COVID and we kind of went from um, the frying pan into the fire. Uh, and really one of the, the, the aspects that really people were trying to determine is what was the trend within business? How could you actually forecast what business activity was going to be? Uh, and I suppose that proved to be the most difficult part because we didn't have trends from the previous number of years. But I suppose as the, as the year materialised, um, the costs of doing business came into to focus more and more. Uh, and we saw a situation where overall uh, businesses that were uh, you know, innovating, diversifying and, and, and creating an appealing offering to their customers 
were doing well but it became about managing the expenses as much as the turnover. Uh, and that's very much still the case today uh, where you're trying to, to watch the expenses, trying to make ends meet. But I think overall, you know, that aspect of, of the discussion around inflation uh, and where it was going and how it's came back, and I suppose really where we're at now in relation to the whole area of, of, of inflation was were the last number of couple of years with high inflation uh, the new norm over the 10 years prior to that where we had low levels of inflation and really we we don't know that at this stage but it's definitely a question for the future I think Yeah and it's one that even came up from say even a point of view of mortgages where for so long we were on extremely low rates that when they did start to rise and maybe come back with more normal levels people really felt the pinch on that is it hard then to innovate within a business like yours and also try to manage costs as well? How do you how do you try and, and, and strike a balance within all that? It's certainly an ongoing conundrum. And I suppose the reality is in this day and age is that regardless of what business you're in, you have to be constantly innovating and constantly bringing new ideas if it's only just a fresh lick of paint. Um, but certainly it is a question as to, you know, are, should, should you prudently save uh, or, or try and get the balance right in relation to, I suppose, your debt and your equity uh, and, and to how you can actually uh, create your further appeal, increase your turnover, but at the same time watching the bottom line and remaining profitable. But it, it is a juggle. Absolutely, and it's been a busy year for you too. Of course, you took on the presidency of the Vintners Federation of Ireland. So I uh, just add in a few more extra hours into an already busy week. <laughs> Look, it's a great honour and a privilege to be representing publicans up and down the country. It doesn't come, you know, a sector without its challenges. But overall, you know, I think they're they're a key social heartbeat uh, of towns and villages up and down the country. Uh, and I suppose one of the, the key items that we would be advocating is bringing that life into all towns and villages and, and trying to deal with the challenges that we currently face, whether it be you know, within our doors and the cost of business and, and everything that's associated with that or outside in terms of provision of additional transport or, or the promotion of Ireland overseas and in relation to tourism here, or even here domestically to encourage uh, more footfall. So, you know, there, there are many different facets to it, but thoroughly enjoyable. At the end of 2023, where is the kind of pub trade as a sector? Is it in a really, is it in a healthy position? Has it recovered? Are there some businesses that are maybe, you know, have withstood it and will continue to thrive? Are there others that are challenged? Where, where is it overall, if you were to give a kind of a, a health check on yeah, the sector? Over the last 20 years, we have lost a lot of pubs. There's no doubt about it. Um, but hopefully we're at a position now where we've plateaued uh, and that has come about by that, that level of diversification. But there's definitely, a, I suppose, an element of apprehension there in relation to some of the costs that are coming down the line in the new year. Uh, and, you know, we've done a number of exercises uh, with members at every level of turnover uh, and to how the impact could be on their business and I think that's something that we, we really need to watch very closely there is a, a, a business and a cost of business grant that's going to be available from the government uh, but from our perspective I think you know Q2 day one we need to be looking at what the impact has been particularly on you know high labour intensive sectors uh, and to ensure that there's you know supports there uh, to continue through the year I know when Regina comes on in a couple of minutes she'll talk to you about like the, the investment and the support that's needed within her sector too for the pub perspective, is there something extra special needed to kind of preserve almost that cultural element of what our pubs are and what they represent? Absolutely. And even from our perspective as a federation, uh, we've applied for UNESCO heritage status and it's something that's ongoing through the department. We're looking at forging greater relationships uh, with our, our, our neighbours in, in Northern Ireland. Uh, and that's something that we'll be progressing, particularly over the first six months of the year. Uh, and I think also as well, you know, from our perspective, as we want to get I suppose more voice even at a European level in relation to how uh, hospitality unfolds and, and and see you know what can we do to be at the forefront of European policy not just at a national level. Michael, 
cool uh, CJ Sheeran of course many people will be very familiar f- familiar with the business but just to kind of put it in context as well it's Ireland's largest manufacturing recycler of timber timber pallets packaging um, again very much high end operates to the highest international standards in terms of environmental standards health and safety quality over 350 employees across 12 sites in Ireland all started and begun in Mount Rat County Leash one of those phenomenal business stories that I think a lot of people still don't really know enough about as well. You've been involved for the last two years as well. So what enticed you to come from Dublin, working with places like Intel and State Street Bank on big construction jobs as a mechanical engineer, down to Cool Rain? Yeah, thanks, Ronan. Um, yeah, it's been absolutely very interesting, I suppose. Um, Mark Sheeran um, is the owner of the company, the MD, um, and I suppose uh, my involvement, I'm the general manager of Cool Rain Sawmills. Um, and it's been, I suppose, very personal uh, to Mark and, and great for him, I suppose, to acquire Cool Rain back in November 2021 because it was originally set up by his father, Kenneth Sheeran, in the early 1950s. Um, the pallet side of things then, obviously, Mark set up then, so he did in Cool Rain. And I actually remember it well as a young fella going down to the village and cycling around my, bo- my pals. And there was only three employed there originally, so there was, you know. So to go from about 25 years ago from employing three over 350 now across 12 sites is is phenomenal um i suppose like as you said yeah i've been traveling up and down the country for the last 20 years um length and breadth of the country as an engineer uh, a lot of traveling and i have young kids now five young kids at home and um i suppose that we didn't have the opportunities a couple of years ago um to i suppose get the the employment and the roles that are becoming available now and with cj sheeran being such a, a large employer in the locality and uh, only around the corner from my home place um, the opportunity came up and it was just absolutely fantastic to be able to um, to be able to get on board with them you know and that growth is it comes through just sort of organic growth but also through more acquisitions there have been three acquisitions in the past year alone correct yeah absolutely yeah um, I suppose there's there's a continued um, hunger and thrive so there is to develop and grow the company so there is and as you said in the last 12 months we've had three more acquisitions uh, two of them have been in Nor- Northern Ireland and another one over in Mayo. So it's phenomenal and it's great, I suppose, just to see the, the company grow um, because there's a kind of a personal aspect to it as well. Like there's a huge amount of um, contributions and funding and support put back into the local communities, to the local GEA clubs, the underage soccer clubs and that. And it's fantastic. And I suppose like the biggest thing as with any of our companies, I suppose, is, um, is, is our local workforce. So it is, you know, without them, we have nothing. And to be able to contribute back into the local, um, the local, the, the 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 locality is just fantastic, you know. So it's it's you know it's brilliant. It's been a great absolutely years putting so far, you know? putting Cool Rain and Mount Rath firmly on the map too. Again, phenomenal story, and and again, it's great to have you here because I know when we tip into it after a break as well, looking at things like sustainability and energy cost reduction and everything else that CJ Sheeran are absolute leaders in. Um, you have a huge amount to talk about on that. Regina Bushell is back in. She's got a cup of water. I think the voice is back anyway. <laughs> Regina, welcome back anyway. Again, same question to yourself. We're looking back at 2023. Um, so just to put it in context, Groveland's childcare have six locations in Atlone, Mullingar and Tullamore uh, in excess of 120 early years professionals on their books, providing service to at least seven 700 families on a weekly basis, an absolutely crucial essential service, uh, busy, 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 no doubt. It is, and this time of the year is an extremely busy time for us with all of the children, of course, waiting for Santa Claus to, to come and all of the concerts and everything else um, that are, are taking place all in, right across the, the Midlands and indeed right across the country with all of my colleagues working in early learning and childcare um, 
It's, phenom- it's phenomenal what I suppose the growth of that industry, you know, the sector in the last number, in the last number of years. But I mean, where Groveland's was concerned, yes, it started back at, at the kitchen table and it has grown to what, what it is today uh, with, I think, it actually it's over 130 employees now. And um, it's a huge challenge. I mean, there, de- 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 there are serious challenges there in it and uh, in the delivery of services. And I suppose each and every day um, brings its own cha- brings its own challenges at the moment where staffing is concerned and retention of staff and attracting the right kind of, of staff into the sector overall. So, it, you know, all of, all of those challenges there, I think, like most people who are entrepreneurs in the business, you love what you're doing. So you're going to grow it and do the best you can in it at, on any given day. And that's that's um, really, really important. Um, government, of course, have gotten more and more involved in the delivery um, of care and early education and services to children. And in particularly that, I suppose, from an economy point of view in providing um, service to parents who want to go to work every day. Um, so that's really Im- important as well, that where they're providing that full care, full day care service um, to um, all families who want to use it. And indeed, providing services to children with dif- disabilities and um, supporting families in that way as well, where we can, where our services are suitable for children. So there's a lot of a lot of changes, a lot of challenges there, and the whole economy impacts on on everything that that we're that we're doing. Um, the challenges of of having, I suppose, the departments, the bureaucracy, and everything else that's there with regards to um, funding. Is, is it's new in our sector where we all run our own business where we're able to make decisions now we're finding that more of our decisions are impacted by what government policy is and where the policy is coming from from um from i suppose europe and from the like everything that's happening there is impacting on everything that we do um for me one of the things I'm I'm happy to to see happening is that the partnership with the government with the DCE DIY is beginning to work. Um, I would love to be able to see say that that is working better than it is. Um, but they are meeting with this more uh, communication around what's in their heads needs to be communicated to us so that we know we're not having things done onto us within our sector, that there is planning there coming our way and that we know what's happening. And at the moment with our fee freeze, one of our biggest challenges is budgeting. We would have been used to budgeting in our in our uh, business and now it's relying on government budgets as to what's actually going to come in for us where um, they have frozen the fees and saying that we have to have we have core funding there, which is great and support for, for staff wages, but it's not it's not enough. It needs to be more and we need to be able to grow our sector and retain uh, really good qualified staff in in the sector and look where we're going with that for the future. I suppose appreciating staff at all levels, at level five, at level six and the graduates coming in. And one of my main goals that I've been working on for the last number of years is an apprenticeship model for our for our sector. And um, I think that that is really, really important. We look at the work Simon Harris is doing on apprenticeships. I don't know whether anybody else has experience of that, but the apprenticeships are really, really important for the future of um, everybody who wants to work in the country.
given your 30 years in it and you're widely known as well for your innovation within that sector, does all that extra kind of control and almost direction coming from government or other bodies, does that make it harder to innovate in your sector and, and indeed kind of, I suppose, keep ahead of the game? How do you find that and balancing that against all the, the other pressures that the business brings? It's, I, I'm, personally, I find it very challenging because I'm used to um, making decisions, um, you know, sort of having those discussions around how maybe we devolve as a company and um, not being able, not knowing what funding the government is going to bring in and what they're looking to do. Like we had the first five all of government strategy in our sector, which is, is really, really good and impacts on how we run our services. So it's, as I said earlier, that partnership with the government, if they can actually talk to us more, involve us more in the decisions that they make, communicate with us around it and see working together, I think we probably can deliver better services. But we need to know what's in their heads and we need to know what the budget is going to be next year for the next three or four years, not in four years time for what's coming up the following year. And it's very piecemeal and that has to change. Yeah, because surely even you know, housing developments, the growth of towns, like if you take a town even like Port Leash that has grown by something like 50% in only 10 or 15 years, like if we see that scale of development, like and when businesses like CJ Sheeran's, you know, bring that amount of growth in an area too, that even, you know, whatever the National Development Plan has, all that information in some way should be fed back because services like yours are, you know, we can't develop towns, we can't grow businesses, even, you know, IDA plans, you nearly need to be ahead of that because, your service has to expand to meet that demand. And that, that's a big challenge, is it, to, to compile all that information and be able to plan strategically? It is, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's planning for, you know, what the, as the jobs that will be developed. Everything that's going on at the moment depends on people being able to actually go to work. And if they want to go to work, they have to be able to access care and early education for their children from babies upwards. And at the moment, it's becoming more challenging because sometimes the regulation is is very, very tight. Um, like there was some good news coming into our sector today and that some of the regulations may be tightened up where we have tooth law inspecting us and the Department of Education inspecting us. And we have public inspections for the funding. It's more and more administration once government government funding is coming into it and of course there's governance there and of course they have to be accountable for for the money but that adds layers and layers of further administration onto us as services and that's very challenging for services all around so they're looking at how they're doing they're going to reduce that but they've been saying this for the number of the years what we need to say is action we need to see action on it so hopefully next year we'll see that action being taken to absolutely partner with us, reduce the administration burden, increase the funding that's coming in into the sector and support services and support providers uh, all over the country and to ensure that we actually have services in every county because like what's happening is we're seeing smaller services, no more than the pubs of what you were say, saying, around the, the um, you know, you're seeing services that, can't, that are not sustainable, maybe, for various reasons, closing down. 
And that is going to leave then pockets around the country where services may be more difficult to access. And of course, that's very pre- prevalent in the nursing home sector at the minute. I mean, the, the, the reports out last week on the number of closed issues alone is, is staggering at a time when the, the, the amount of older people living in the country is just going to keep growing exponentially for the next while. But uh, time for me to take a quick break. After that, we'll be back and we'll look at some, uh, some more of those big items that uh, cut you were, were presented to these businesses over the past year and then we'll eventually start looking ahead towards 2024 and see what that year might bring. So stay tuned. Back to you in just a couple of moments. Taking care of business with thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmead. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. In order to look back at 2023 and begin to look forward to 2024, I'm delighted to be joined by Regina Bushell, the Managing Director of Groveland's Childcare, John Clendenin, the owner of Giltrap's Townhouse and Glamping in Kennedy, and uh, Michael Delaney, the General Manager of Coolrain Sawmills and Director of Engineering at the CJ Sheeran Group. And uh, that's just their baseline introduction. There's much more behind all these people, as you might know. Right, folks, we're back after a quick break. First question, one phrase or term that we could ban from business talk if you had a chance, magic wand. Regina, what would you ban? I, I would ban uh, why change the way we, why change the way we do it it's working it, it's always worked why should we change it good I mean, one that really bugs me because it's um, you know you, you want to bring in, in change and change is needed in different organisations or whatever but just because it's always worked that way don't don't even think about changing. Yeah, there's elements of what got us here won't get us there too. That people need to, you know, and and change is the one constant, as we often say too. I'd get rid of that expression, but actually people need to become more aware of it. Uh, Michael, from your perspective, what would you ban? Yeah, I, 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 we've often been told the same. So that's the way we've always done it. Why would why would we do it any different? You know, yeah. yeah? Or, if, uh, <laughs> or if you're in a meeting and you ask someone something actionable and that, and I'll get back to you on that. You know, we'll circle back <laughs> tomorrow. Just, yeah. yeah, John, you must yeah. have a few. When, when someone says to me, "I've never done that before," so I, I can't do it you know we all have to learn but the one word that I I really dislike is the word busy you know I think you know we have to be productive we have to have have plans but it's easy to be busy and when you're busy, you're none of the latter. But that's so. the open line of every conversation. Uh, yeah, you're busy, yeah, you know? exactly, Just, yeah. exactly. So. It's better than with the weather. John, we talk about being busy too, like, you know, in, in your own trade, in your own sector. And I know for all of you, you know, the talk around how you attract and retain staff uh, in the pubs and hospitality then, how has that been over the last couple of years? And I know like a lot of business owners would probably be, dare I say, somewhat fearful of the potential rise in, in, in employment wages and salaries over the coming years. Like, never mind talking about the... The, the actual living wage but lots of new holiday entitlements new leave entitlements which really can probably be taken without a huge amount of kind of a, you know um, much ground from that's say objection from the employer but lots of new entitlements that, that can be taken how do you see that and how will that impact on your sector? Yeah, I, I think your your question is two-pronged in a sense in that first of all in relation to, to the offering I think consumers are more sophisticated than ever before and have a higher expectation uh, and, and so inevitably there's a higher bar uh, and there's going to be a cost in achieving that bar from from a cost of sales perspective and and a, and a gross profit perspective um, but on a, on a I suppose on a labour perspective we're looking at in our in our sector in particular, it's a high intensity sector in, in relation to, to labour costs. Um, and if you're looking at the labour wage uh, minimum wage increase of 140 coming in in January, there's probably a, a risk of relativity there as well. And that's you know 3,000 euros potentially per per unit or per employee in in a business. It's a considerable hike. Um, and on top of that, as you mentioned, 
uh, you've got statutory sick leave, you've potentially got auto roll, a PRSI uh, auto enrolment, uh, and so on. So really, where we're at, and if you look at our sector in particular, you're looking at turnovers of license bans now, from based on revenue figures of fifty percent of publicans uh, in in a turnover of max three hundred and eighty thousand, uh, and twenty five percent of them are at half that. So you know, there's not much room for manoeuvre there, and and really that's where my point, as I made at the outset, was that you know we need to ensure that there is a subsidy scheme of some description here uh, uh, that can assist businesses that are impacted the most uh, from it. And, you know, we, we've almost got a two-tier economy as such at the moment in terms of you've got the likes of the, the Magnificent Seven uh, that are, you know, high-income earners, they're large volumes of global revenues and so on uh, and we're very thankful that they have such a great presence in, in this country. But there's an also level, there's a level of retail and hospitality that are much more labour-intensive uh, and, you know, maybe don't have the same dizzy heights of of turnover yeah, or but income. We'll all recall early this year that the amount of jobs that those big seven mm. shed like and, and oh, by email, you know, I mean, if you if you started letting people go by email in your business, we all know where you'd end up very quickly, like um, in, in terms of the WRC and stuff. So, yeah, like I, I know we can sometimes blow the trumpet of some of those big companies, but, you know, the time comes and they pack their bags and go, they're, they're yeah. going to leave a lot of a lot of uh, and know. SMEs in general are, are the backbone of, of, of Ireland you know and I think that's something that we just have to be cognizant of at all times and retaining that as well Regina your perspective on that as well I mean labour rates in your sector too like is it a is it an attractive sector for a graduate and bear in mind like I know you refer to your your staff as educarers you know mm-hmm. so because it's kind of a there's a kind of a duality to it and it's such a crucial service but is it an attractive sector for a graduate um, at the moment, I mean, in, improving the conditions for all working in our sector is important for social stability, but it must also be done in a sustainable way that is fair to everybody right across the board, regardless you know, of, of, of their qualifications. And at the moment, trying to bring, I suppose, um, we're, we're in competition with the national schools for our graduates. We're in competition with, school, with um, SNAs for our graduates. Uh, they're paid better in, by government, in, I suppose, in government jobs. So we're trying to attract and retain um, graduates into the sector. But we also need to respect and uh, fully appreciate our level fives and sixes um, who, again, need to be recognised for all of the continuous professional development that they take on, their experience of working in the sector over the years. And that it's it's a challenge, I suppose, where we're bringing in new graduates and um, like in in some ways there have been a lot of changes for for the better. They um, the we have now got a career pathway that we didn't have previously, uh, with people coming in as educators and then people being able to take on the positions of um, lead educators in the role and go on to be managers, supervisors or managers in the sector as well. So it is challenging. It's a hugely labour intensive sector. When you look at at the ratios that are there, that you have one staff member to every three babies. But for those three babies, you actually need two members of staff. And that like it goes right up along along the way with regards to um, how labour intensive it is. It's also uh, long hours. And you are in competition with the schools who are have shorter have shorter hours there, um, and then like I suppose it's difficult at the moment to see where it's all going to go and where it's where it's going to land. 
But I think there has to be fairness around how how the government looks at the level of the job, the responsibility of the job that's taken on every day and that that's, re- that that's recognised and that the sector is recognised as um, for all that it did, in fact, during COVID and keeping open for, for, for the frontline workers and allowing people to, um, to go to work during that. And indeed, we were very well supported by the government during that time and that is appreciated. But we have to look to the future. We have to look at where the sector is going in, in the future and look to see what funds government are going, to, are going to put in to support that. Because every other, there are so many countries in Europe that are way ahead of us and they're way ahead from the point of view of investment. We are still in, you know, we're catching up, but we're still very much behind where we need to be with the level of qualification. If we want to have a graduate-led workforce by 2028, we need to look at what infrastructure is going to be put in and what funding is going to be put in to ensure that happens and to ensure that providers remain stable. Because at this point in time, we provide 75% of the um, infrastructure in early years in, in, the, in the country. Um, and we need to look at where that's going to go for the future. So you mentioned frontline workers there, particularly during COVID as well. Does early years, does it need its own definition? Because it, it, it effectively is like, there is a frontline service, because without your services, the country can't function. So does it do, do services like that need their own designation, right? It's not emergency, but like without it, businesses can't run, people can't go to work, the economy suffers. Is there a is there a, is there a phrase or a term you'd put on it to say, well, it needs a special designation, let's fund it, let's develop it to allow us, you know, continue to, to grow the country and, and prosper? Well, I think th- those talks are taking place at the moment. You know, how how the sector is is developing and where, you know, in what way it will develop and who will fund it. I mean, parents are being very well. Um, they're being supported now under the National Child Care Scheme that, that wasn't there a few years ago. That's hugely important, I suppose, from the cost of living point of view and that parents are being, are, are being supported. But more needs to be done in that way because we hear all the, all the time it's around the squeezed middle that those parents need, they're paying, they're paying for everything and they need more supports in order to, I suppose, they talk about their mortgage in one hand and childcare being as big as a mortgage in the other hand. And we need to look at, at how that is going, how those parents are going to be supported to remain at work. Um, and, you know, I think the it's really interesting. I find the whole politics of it all extremely interesting, but it's hugely challenging to find what's going to suit, to suit everybody. And the sector itself is so diverse. It's not one size fits all because you have the preschools, you have the school age childcare, you have full day care, you have standalone providers with 10 people. You have other providers who have hundreds. And in Dublin, if you look at some of the bigger providers are dealing with thousands of children. So you're looking at how all of that is funded and it's not one size fits all. Next year, just briefly from February, we're looking at the general election as well. Does that bring any concerns? Does that bring any potential change in terms of, you know, maybe any ground that's been gained over the past couple of years? Do you see that as being a, a potential challenge or will, will negotiations continue? That for me and I think for the sector is a challenge because it's being supported at the moment around government policy. If government policy changes, and that's why we have to be so careful about what the sector signs up to at this point in time with regards to, I suppose, where wages are concerned. If that changes and we're tied into something, we're tied into it, which could make the whole sector totally unsustainable. 
but we're hoping obviously towards the future that people will see the importance of the early years sector in the country for children, for parents and for the economy. Michael, I'm going to go to you now as well from point of view of Cool Rain Sawmills and CD Assurance. Does your location, say particularly in Cool Rain and around Mount Rat, does that give you an advantage in terms of, you know, when you're going out looking for staff and, and trying to find people to work or does the does rural location still present challenges? Yeah, I think it's a, it's, it's a, um, a combination of both, Ronan, to be honest. You know, like we're a huge local employer, so we are obviously one of the biggest challenges for uh, many, many companies is retainment of staff, so it is currently. Um, I suppose like the Irish economy has, has been doing very well this year as opposed to I suppose our good friends across the water in the UK like construction is doing very very well and we continuously have challenges trying to retain staff um, and keep them on board I suppose some of the incentives and uh, the innovations that we would have is like we have our in-house talent tree programme where we promote so we do um, uh, development of staff so we do and uh, third level education bringing the general operatives on so yeah and enticing them to go and do further education and self-development. And we've had guys then going right through in lean manufacturing from green belts right up to black belts So we have. So it's enticing them and giving them other opportunities um, to try and retain them. Um, like we're Obviously, we're a huge player, so we are in sustainability and quality uh, or full circular economy, like a part of the whole timber industry. Um, and I think it's just trying to have that edge to try and attract um, uh, more staff into the, in, into the group. Um, we have 12 sites obviously across the country like as we've mentioned so like it's it's not just in Leash obviously um, some of our, our biggest sites are in Leash but like we're, we're, we're all over in uh, Mayo uh, Cavan uh, up the north um, Mullingar it, it's everywhere and it's just trying to get staff everywhere I think is a challenge um, at the minute but it's just trying to have that edge and come up with new uh, innovative ideas and as I say we, we are a big promoter so we are of if, if guys are willing to work and willing to obviously progress, the, the, the door is wide open, so it is, you know. And I think that's probably um, a, a big factor that we have, um, that everyone knows that if they want to go on and they want to develop, um, all they have to do is just ask the question. And I suppose through the likes of the yellow ETB, um, we've had huge support with them over recent years. So we have, you know, putting guys on anything from basic Excel courses to advanced Excel courses and then as I say the lean black belt we have guys starting a uh, lean black belt now again in January and all you have to do is ask like we had several guys do the green belt there this year and then uh, um, you just you, you get the interest going there and um, the, the, it's, it's amazing once you ask the question to the guys there and want to develop the willingness is there you know um, so I, I think yeah it is a challenge but it's just trying to think outside the box yeah. And, and just have the, have that little uh, niche or a little extra there that, that will entice guys into Absolutely, it's kind of if you build it, they will come. You know, if you if you show people what the opportunities that are there that exist within within that company in that sector, you know, you can you can entice them in and, and allow them that time to develop and flourish as well. Time okay. for a very quick break. We're going to come back after that and we're going to look at some other pressing topics from this year and, and maybe what we're looking forward to in 2024. Taking care of business. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. My panel this evening are Michael Delaney from Cool Rain Sawmills and CJ Sheerans down in Mount Rat and of course now with 12 sites right across the country. Regina Bushel from Groveland Childcare and John Clendenner from Giltraps Pobent, our townhouse and glamping up in Kinnity. And uh, before the break, we're looking at all like a rise in employment costs and how we go about attracting and retaining talent into the various businesses around the Midlands. But before we dim into the next thing, we're going to have a couple of questions. Uh, Regina, if you had a business hero for 2023, who would it be? A business hero? Um, I would have said um, 
miss it. Sorry, it's gone out of my head. Um, the business. Jump in there, lads. Uh, I'll, jump in. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with two if you, if you don't mind. Go quickly. Uh, from yeah. a female perspective, I go with Katie Taylor. I think she's created a sector uh, into a business from the fully, fully sanctioned female boxing fight in ever in Ireland 20 years ago yeah. uh, to now looking at filling Crow Park for, for, for a fight and as a female you know a role model and has lost and came back and, and really you know proven herself and on a local level uh, there's a gentleman who I've never met but I watched a documentary in recent times uh, by two gentlemen in Mullingar um, um, Ethan Scully and, and um, Connor English about a man by the name of Millie Walsh who has a Maxwell garage on the Dublin Road in Mullingar. Mm. Uh, and he worked from dawn to night. He's heading for 70 years of age. But I think he epitomised everything that small business should be uh, in terms of a vocation, hard work, discipline, customer service, diversification, innovation. Uh, and he just loved it. And he made business fun. Fantastic, uh, and I think yeah. no matter what we do in life, it should be fun. And if you, if you, if you enjoy what you do, You'll never work a day in your life. I think that's something we should always remember. Michael, does that apply to you as well? <laughs> well, I think that question is kind of a double barrel question, so it is for me, Ronan, because I'm either going to get sacked or divorced. <laughs> you know? so, uh, I think two people I'm going to have to mention, obviously, is uh, my good wife, uh, Ashley Doyle, who's a full-time director, mother of five kids, and also gone back to do an MBA in Trinity this year. Just wow, to, wow. Just to, just to add to the thing. <laughs> and also, obviously, um, Mark Sheeran, if I don't mention him, did three acquisitions this year. Uh, the hunger to thrive and develop and I suppose what he's done for all his employees and everything because it's not just a company for him I suppose he's passionate about it and passionate about personal development so um, I'm going to have to mention the two of those as I say for, for several F- reasons, Fantastic yeah. well you're definitely not getting sacked anyway so I suppose <laughs> really we look cool. at your own business um, Michael like uh, sustainability it's been such a hot topic for businesses um, for quite a while it really is front and centre and forefront in a couple of seconds, give us a snapshot of the work that CJ Sheerans have done already in terms of reducing carbon footprint and uh, maybe talk to us about what's, what's in the pipeline for the years ahead. 100%, yeah. So I suppose like in the last uh, recent years, um, we've we've um, installed um, several large biomass boilers. So we have, um, so part of the pallet manufacturing process is killing, killing dried and heat treating pallets. And um, previously or historically, we would have been using kerosene and electricity to do that, predominantly kerosene. So I suppose we have um, replaced uh, hundreds of thousands of litres of kerosene now with biomass fuel, which we, um, the biomass is obviously, it comes from our own processes. So we recycle millions of pallets every year. And um, of the pallets then that don't uh, get fully recycled, then we produce wood chip. Uh, so we do both in the sawmills and in the pallet side of things. And we use that then, so we do as our own biomass fuel. So we're fully self-sufficient. So we are then in heat, heat treating and killing drying our pallets, you know, which has been phenomenal. Um, and I suppose just uh, in, in the pipeline then as well, uh, which we only started this week, believe it or not, um, we're starting on the solar PV. Uh, we're getting great support with Fergus Sharkey through the SEAI. Um, and we're going to be installing between now and I suppose August next year, uh, just under two megawatts of solar PV panels across a couple of our sites um, across the country. Um, obviously, we're a big consumer, so we have electricity. Uh, in the sawmills and in the pallet manufacturing side of things and we have seen um, it, it, only this year like with, with even in the sawmill uh, side of things um, obviously uh, costs have went up fourfold so they have you know uh, and so there's, there's a huge risk there um, and um, obviously to try and mitigate that 
um, we're trying to get front and centre so we are and we're, we're going down the solar PV route and it's obviously looking at maybe electric vehicles then as well so it is down the line um, electric articulated lorries that kind of thing so we're front and centre on that um, I suppose a lot of people have been greenwashing their companies there in recent years I suppose we've been doing this for the last 20 years you know uh, we've always uh, it's been a big part of what we do um, so it has and, and we're going to continue on that route um, because yeah, it, it, it's it fantastic sense, and it's, it's a real example and I know like if people in business like that are looking for leadership or want to find out like definitely get in touch with you as well I'm going to have to take a very quick break and I'm going to put that similar question to Regina and John after the break and Regina has just written Will Faulkner there Managing Director of Midlands 103 as her business hero 2023 so there you go I'm not getting sacked either Taking care of business with thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmead Find us on local enterprise.ie and let's talk business. Before the break there, Michael Delaney from CJ Sheeran was just telling us about like the work, the phenomenal work they've done in terms of sustainability and, and ultimately reducing their energy costs. Regina, is that something in your sector as well that you're looking at and, and what sort of things are you looking at doing? Yeah, well, uh, um, this year, uh, last year, they, um, again, coming from the department, they gave, they gave us uh, grants under building blocks Um and they part of that was to, you know, that we could pick something that we wanted to do uh, on the energy side of things. And I, again, uh, more than you paying tribute to other people, <laughs> I have to say that they, the work done on this was done by uh, our other two directors, um, Ronan and Dee and uh, Tracy. Within the, the Groveland structure, there was a huge amount of work to be done, but we put in solar panels, we put in ventilation units, which cleaned the air and... Um, it was a huge. It, 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 it was in all the main the main centres. Um, we put them in. It made a huge difference. And I suppose it'll be a while before we actually know. Looking at the the bills over the next twelve months as to how that's going to impact on on things and the difference that it will make. But we were delighted to get the grants and be able to do it because. Um, Again, you're looking at the overall rising cost of energy and everything that's else. That's it, yeah, and, that's, and they're not going to fall overnight by any means yeah, and, and the incentives so are there. The whole green thing and sustainability is something that we're, that the whole sector will be looking at. And obviously we're hearing it from every other quarter as well around the, the importance of saving energy and looking at how we can best use it. John, so, yeah. surely in, in the pub the open fire is never going to go, is it? But unfortunately, it's it, it's gone in Kennedy after a lot of debate. Um, but you know, we, you know, we, we we from an energy security perspective, we put in a generator, we've put in solar PV, we've done insulation, paper straws. But one of the most controversial parts was probably the pellet stove because we did get rid of the open fire. <laughs> but you know, it's thermostatically controlled, it's clean, it's comfortable, uh, and it's amazing how many. Customers have gone off and bought one since. So, you know, there's definitely there changed. So the, the Irish pub has changed. So I suppose the most important thing is that we keep the Irish pubs and we keep the rural pubs, whether they have a pellet stove or an open fire or a heater from solar panels or heat coming from CJ Shearns. It doesn't matter. Keeping them open is the main thing. Folks, we have about two minutes and I have one question for you all. If Minister Simon Coveney, as, you know, top man at the Department of Enterprise, Trade and Employment, could leave one thing under the Christmas tree for your business this Christmas, what would that be? It's a nice handy one to finish off. Who wants to jump in first? I suppose just from ourselves, Ronan, um, uh, obviously we're, we're talking about the, 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 the costs and uh, the continued increase in costs. Um, like, as, as we kind of touched off earlier, private SMEs, I suppose, is the backbone of the country and continued support for ourselves to, to allow us to prosper and continue to grow, I think we would find as being critical and essential. 
Um, we like there was I was at a talk, a panel discussion with obviously earlier in the year, where he was back in um digitalization grant funding and stuff like that, and that's a path, a journey that we've currently commenced on ourselves. We're going to in- install a new ERP system for the group, um, but but supporting those areas to allow us to develop, um, as a company and and continue to. To, to, to employ local employment, you know, I think would be critical Absolutely. for us. Absolutely, you're, you're just showcasing that tonight as well, Regina. If you have, if you have you any, what would what would that present yeah. contain? Addition, additional funding into the the sector. Um, look at, at how an apprenticeship can can be funded within within the sector, and more better paying conditions for our staff that they give more in core funding to cover everything that they want to cover and everything that we want to have covered as well. And that all comes down to communication and working in partnership with us to ensure that the funding is used to, to that we get the best use out of whatever funding is given. Fantastic. And John, you have about yeah. 10 seconds. No, I, I suppose from my perspective, I hear about the digitalisation, carbonisation and, and energy costs, but you know, there's a capital requirement required to, to match with government support. And I think that's a challenge in terms of access to finance is something we look upon. But I think first and foremost, and looking selfishly in our sector, you know, we have a lot of costs coming down the line uh, and to directly target our sector I'd like to see a reduction in excise Absolutely fantastic John Clendenin Regina Bushell and Michael Delaney thank you so much for coming across at Tullamore this evening it's been fascinating getting your insights and I think from myself a huge thank you and all from the listeners a massive thank you and it was continue doing what you're doing because it is absolutely phenomenal and uh, like rural Ireland is in good hands Midlands is in good hands with business like yourself so thanks a million have a great Christmas and, all, and a great 2024 Merry Christmas to you and all the listeners Ronan Thanks everybody and uh, listen thank you all for listening I'll be back in January with Taking Care of Business we have to get this guest panel out of the studio and let uh, the one and only Foster and Alan come in and take over Country Roads for the evening they'll be here with you from 8 o'clock taking over from Joe Cooney this evening for their annual show as well so looking forward to that have a great Christmas Happy New Year and talk to you all in January Taking Care of Business returns next Tuesday at 7pm with the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Bedlands, what